It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Hey, I am Michelle Mendoza, delighted to be spending my time with you talking about news of the day, things that are happening in the world, but everyone's doing that, right? What's so special about us? Well, if anything, it may be that we tried to dig a little deeper and we asked the question, if there's a God, what is he doing in all of this and what does he expect of us? What is that? God worldview and does it really make a difference? So we are going to be taking it on today and I want to introduce you to our guest who joins us from time to time. He is our beloved rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein. <clears throat> Among other things, he's a, a brilliant writer, a uh, thoughtful thinker, uh, in a, his his writings get you thinking along the God story. And he is the director of interfaith affairs with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. He gives us a, literally a view from Jerusalem. And now a view from Jerusalem with Rabbi Adlerstein. Welcome, Rabbi. Glad to have you with us this month. Great to be here as usual on this chilly Jerusalem evening where we're recuperating from a good couple of inches of snow that completely paralyzed the city. I'm sorry to hear that, but I do love snow. It's snow is magical to me. Yeah. (laughs) As long as uh, it's not paralyzing your city and it's just giving you a nice snow day, I'm all for a little bit of snow. Um, The topic we're taking on today is one that Americans are, unfortunately a little ignorant to a recent news story coming out of the nba brought a little bit of light and people are saying who are the uyghurs the hoogers what who are they we're going to be talking about who they are and why or if we should care so let's set the stage an estimated one million million uyghur people are in concentration camps, enslaved. They endure systematic physical and sexual abuse, rape, torture. Women are sterilized, forced to marry men from a certain Chinese ethnic group. Um, even Even Uyghurs who are in the United States are threatened and intimidated by authorities in China who practically hold their family hostage to prevent them from speaking out. So who are these, who are these people? And why are they coming under such religious um, persecution? Why are they part of this genocide? What is going on, Rabbi? Um. You know, there's there's such irony here, Michelle, before we go further on that. Here we are, a Christian and a Jew, trying to alert our public to the suffering of Muslims who are suffering because they are Muslim. The Chinese government tries to be as atheistic as possible. That's still part of old-time communism. They regard religion as a threat to the communist ideal. So they suppress all religion. They have been in the past months shuttering churches. And that would be enough for us to do 
a segment on that. But it happens to be that as much as we like religious freedom, the freedom to live as an independent human being and not be incarcerated in bona fide concentration camps, one million people, theoretically for re-education, because the Uyghurs lead a religious life with values that are not part of the Chinese system, the Chinese are trying to repress them. So here you have essentially a huge, powerful, godless government trying to suppress all religion. And we in the United States, as Christians and Jews, have been, in most places, deaf to the plight of something we thought disappeared with World War II. Uh, And I think that you're being kind because we are kind of being deaf to it, but more so a lot of companies, excuse me, and organizations are literally looking the other way. Uh, let me. We we don't seem to. We don't care. We'll even get to a comment on that in just a moment. But there are products of Uyghur slave labors that are openly advertised in places like Japan. They have 800-year-old mosques and graveyards that are paved over. Do you know what's in their place? Hilton's and Tesla dealerships. American finance is pouring billions of dollars into China. And so what do we say? Well, this is is actually his inability to care has actually brought in the Uyghur plight to the forefront. So it's had this weird twist. Minority owner of the Golden State Warriors, Chamath, now help me if I'm saying his name wrong, Palihapitiya, a, um, a billionaire, pretty much said nobody cares. And I'd like to just don't take my word for it. Let's listen to his own words right here. Nobody cares about what's happening to the Uyghurs, okay? You you bring it up because you really what? care, and I think what that's nice that you cares? care. The rest of us don't care. I'm just well, telling you, you a care? very hard... Wait, wait, I'm you're telling saying you, you personally very, don't care? I'm telling you a very hard, ugly truth, okay? Of all the things that I care about, yes, it is below my line. Okay. What? I mean, really? Are you are you kidding me? Nobody cares uh, about what's happening to the Uyghurs. Quote: uh, You bring it up because you really care, and I think it's nice that you care, but the rest of us don't. What? Or right, is he serious? He's not only serious, but he's correct because the Chinese couldn't be doing what they're doing if enough of us really did care. And it's important for us to talk about why it is that we don't care. And a lot of us have really come up with things not so different from what the Warriors owner said. Well, which it's is true. We, but we do a have some amount of concern that we have. And I'm concerned about things like like uh, what's happening in our cities and, okay. and, and, and global warming and things like that. I'm concerned with what's going on around me. He wasn't saying that. Look, I don't care about any moral issue. I care about the warriors. He wasn't saying that. The rest of his statement said he has his priorities. And Uyghurs are just below the threshold. So it doesn't matter. 
So be- wait a minute, wait a minute, Rabbi. Unfortunately, now that, that sounds like, well, I'm busy with what I'm thinking about. However, the NBA, traditionally, they have cared about things that are local. Black Lives Matter. The NBA National Basketball Association Justice Coalition Executive Director released a statement after the Rittenhouse verdict and said any form of vigilantism in our society is unacceptable. They care and they are vocal. But here's the thing. They make a lot of money in China, and they're not the only ones. Did you hear about M&M's? And I'm not kidding here. This is a real story. M&M's, the Mars Company. The Mars Company, has a. they do business in China. Uh, They act as a sponsor for the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Um, And you could say, well, maybe they're just apolitical. They don't, they, it's not that they don't care. They're just apolitical. No, they care about things like uh, COP26 climate summit in Glasgow last year. They called for swift action to combat climate change, but they've never commented on China building a ton of cold fire, coal fire power plants. Last week, they announced, now this is what they care about. They are changing the picture on the screen. That's that's days past. They care so much that they're going to make sure that green M&M no longer wears go-go boots, but tennis shoes to be more inclusive. Brown M&M is not going to be Ms. M&M. She's going to be gender neutral and just be drop her pronoun or its pronoun or Jay's pronoun and just be brown. They care about these things, but they're going to the to the Olympics as a sponsor. Even the Olympics, the IOC agreed in 2014 that human rights, labor rights, protection, non-discrimination would be considered in bids for host cities. So we can't say that, well, it's just below. I'm caring about things that are close to me. You know what's close to them is making money in China. Yeah. Well, to understand that big business in America is much more interested in virtue signaling than they are, uh, than they have any real concern. (laughs) That's not going to be such an interesting conversation between us, Michelle, because we know that and expect that, even though you've pointed to a level of hypocrisy that goes beyond it, that on the one hand saying we're great and we're socially responsible, but then then trying to go below the radar and and actually aid and abet people who are doing horrendous things. So that's, that's certainly one issue. But I'm more concerned with, you know, in every falsehood, there's a little bit of truth, a little bit of truth. Okay. And there is truth to what, to what he said. You know, a lot of people say that I, I can't clutter my mind with just so much concern. I'm concerned about some issues and I make them mine. If you're going to involve yourself with every issue out there, you wind up involving yourself with none. And this is this is a truism. Let's let's talk for just for a split second about another another area. The number of Christians getting killed every day in Nigeria. Why is that happening? The United States has a good deal of influence in Nigeria. And we've known for the pro- we've known of the problem for years. Priests are getting are getting uh, killed 
churches burned, whole communities burned, and Americans who could make a difference are not making a difference. Now, why, why is that? And when I speak to friends in the Christian community, they say, Rabbi, I hate to admit it, but part of it is because Christians in America see Nigeria as a long way off. It's a different culture, a different society, and frankly, a different skin color. And they're just not going to react the same way that they would to church burnings in America. It's too far. So they're, they're different. <clears throat> they're the other. And it's one thing to mm. care about people and things that you have a certain feeling of commonality. It's easy to relate to climate change because we're living in the same climate. It's easy to, to, uh, to relate to equity in our cities because we live in those cities are close by. It affects our lives. Nigeria, nah. Uyghurs, who? China? And there's the question. And, and here I want to direct you, since we're talking about the God story, to something that I thought was so beautiful. I'm happy to say that he's a good friend of mine, Dr. David Curry, uh, who runs Open Doors. Open Doors USA, which is the leading organization in America for advocacy for embattled and persecuted Christians. And they produce the, a prestigious list every year of the top 50 um, violators of human rights around the world. And he said that even though China didn't make it to the top 10, and he explained why, says because there are so many countries that are actively killing people every day, which the Chinese are still not. They're not lining people up against the wall and shooting them. So because of that, they didn't make the top 10, but we're still talking about a million people. We're, talking, we're also talking about churches, and yet we're doing nothing. So he said, I advocate that the average Christian in America boycott the Olympics, meaning it's one thing for countries to decide that they're pulling out and some countries have in view of, of what the Chinese are doing in, 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 in the largest country in the world. But that has nothing to do with me. I'm still going to turn on the I'm still going to turn on the television set and watch and I'm going to root for my team and I'm going to be, you know, part of the buzz and part of all the excitement. And he says we should be indifferent to it. Yeah. And didn't say that because he thinks it's going to make a difference for the Uyghurs. He's saying it because, well, it may make a difference afterwards. If enough people rouse themselves, maybe we can get the United States government and even business that responds only to what people want, not to any real moral sense. No, well, uh, as I've mentioned, also that we have to do it for ourselves, for ourselves. I've mentioned ourselves. before, Rabbi, that in America, uh, yes, we are willfully ignorant to things that are the other. They're, they're not like us. They're, it doesn't really affect us. Uh, some of that is our own making. Some of it is the making of our media. What are we exposed to? If we do not know of the Uyghurs, if we've never been exposed to it, if no one shared with us the story until maybe for some people, this may actually be the first time they're really hearing about who the Uyghurs are or when the Golden State Warriors um, lackey there was uh, giving his, his 
insensitive uh, reality that exposed people who had never heard of the Uyghur. So some of it is we just don't know. However, there are a lot of companies that do know, and they're doing business anyway. They have selective outrage. It's something they suffer from. I don't know if it's a byproduct of COVID, what's happening, or what, but selective outrage. I'm outraged at police. I'm outraged that the that M&Ms have go-go boots. I am outraged at a number of things. This I'm not outraged at. It doesn't, I, I'm just going to stay away from it. I'll wear uh, Black Lives Matter and other social justice warrior uh, things on my t-shirts, but I'm making money over here, so we're going to just turn the other way. That's kind of a human nature condition, isn't it? It sure is, and, and we'd be We'd be making a grave error if we just attributed that to avarice and to the amoral stance of big business, even when they're flashing their moralistic stance. But what's more important is the rest of us who are not CEOs of major corporations. How do you really feel? How do you really emote or feel outrage at something which really is distant? and not part of your community and not people you understand or see to eye, eye to eye. With. And that really is part of the God story, be. isn't it? Because how, if it doesn't affect me, um, it's hard to feel it. If I can't empathize, uh, I've, I've never been uh, in a concentration camp yet i've never i've never had a serious religious persecution i haven't had the level i, I can't re, it's a different place it's a different culture no i can't relate and it doesn't affect me personally but somehow in that we can look at that and say it is outrageous it is beyond my comprehension uh, where, what is it that gets us from uh, looking at it as though we're watching it happen on uh, in a hollywood production going oh yeah that's you know a movie you walk away your popcorn's gone and you go on to real life what takes us from that mindset rabbi to wait a minute, These are this is human suffering. I may not be real able to relate to it, but my worldview says this is not okay. Where do we go, Michelle? Where we always go, to the Bible. And if you read just a little bit below the surface, it's right out there. Come on, you were expecting that, weren't you? <laughs> Book of Exodus, uh, chapter two someplace. Moses has been saved and uh, adopted by the by Pharaoh. He's living out his childhood in the lap of luxury in the in the court of the in the court of Pharaoh. And then one day he grows up, and it says he went out to his brethren, and he saw their pain. He saw their burden, and he saw an Egyptian beating one of his brothers. And we know what his reaction was. And like, he took care of the guy and that got his picture up in post offices all over Egypt as one of Egypt's 10 most wanted. And he had to flee for the next 60 years. But what does it mean when it says that he went out and saw his brothers? If we were writing that, Michelle, we would have said, got older and one day he was out there and he sees this guy beating on one of his relatives. So, he, you know, he does him in. 
he decides he's going to uh, identify with his with his brothers. Why does the why does the Torah why does Scripture add? And he saw their burden. So the most famous of all Jewish biblical commentators, who was used extensively by the church five hundred years ago, and he lived a thousand years ago. We call him Rashi. Says that he went out and he saw. He he gave his eyes and his heart, his mind and his heart to understand the pain of his brothers. It's not enough to witness. You've got to kind of experience the pain of the other. That is what God expects of us. It's not just things which happen to come across that little screen in your brain that you focus on until your mouse moves you to the next, to the next, uh, to the next site. We're supposed to concentrate. When we hear about problems, we are charged by Scripture to acquaint ourselves and to actually feel for them. If it takes reading up on it, if it takes watching movies, that is something that God expects of us. And lest you think that when, Mo, when Moses did it, he did it because, after all, he was aware of his roots and he decided to identify with his brothers, what's the very next narrative? He's on the land. He's running from the authorities in Egypt. He's in Midian as a stranger in a xenophobic country. And he sees from the distance a bunch of young women who are trying to get to a well and they're getting harassed by, by the thugs, by the male thugs around them. So what does he do? I owe silver. And he comes charging down the hill with his, you know, with his six guns. And he takes them all on, which put his own life in jeopardy. And one of the great rabbis of the last generation said, you know why that's the next episode in the narrative? It's so that you shouldn't think that Moses did what he did just because he was being a faithful Jew, faithful to his people. He had the exact same reaction of getting involved when he, sees, when he saw an injustice, even when it came to the other to total strangers. That's what God expects of us. And that's a powerful idea because we fall prey to, if it doesn't affect me, I don't care. We fall prey to the idea that it's just below my radar. It, what you're saying is if it's below your radar, you need to change your radar settings because your worldview is important. It, your worldview uh, as a biblical worldview says, I care. Um, I'm, I'm, you're, you as, as a Jew don't delve into the old, the new Testament as I do. But when I say for God, so loved the world that encompasses the world and God is, is, is God of the universe. He's God of all creation. People are important to him. The crown of his, of his creation, his magnum opus. You might even, some may even say, so to say that uh, people matter, we are image bearers of God. The, the person that you're arguing with because you don't like their mask status, their vaccine status, their political ideology, or what they're wearing today, they're an image bearer of God, created in God's image. They are precious. The Uyghur people have a different faith than you and I. 
And yet they are image bearers of God, created in God's image. They are precious. So for us to go about uh, uh, February uh, 2nd, or is it 4th, when the Olympics start, uh, and just pretend like nothing's going on and, and just give China a whitewash pass, that is us disrespecting the very image of God and the people that they can so easily write off. The Chinese mindset of atheism, it's so easy to write people off because they just don't matter. But indeed, they do, Rabbi. And the, the beauty of, I think, what we're both saying um, simultaneously is that it really solves the problem of what, what this fellow with the Warriors was saying, that, look, you know, I got my causes, and I put time and energy into that, and everything else I just don't have time for. As religious people, we have to know that even when there's nothing, nothing whatsoever that we can do, and we actually have no more time or energy, we can still commiserate, which means setting our eyes and our hearts to pay attention to the pain of others. That we can always do. We can always try to experience their pain. And this wasn't always true in ancient times, but it is true today. Even if you can't commit to a cause, if you acquaint yourself with problem areas like Nigeria, like China, you can actually do a world of change because in the end, the governments do have power and governments only do exercise their power when people demand it. If we can bring it into focus just sharp enough that we care and we're bothered by it, that affects our legislators and they affect the policy of the government, and that can save lives in trouble spots around the world. So even if they, we, we're, we can't, we don't have the time or energy to get involved and make it my cause, as religious people, we have to feel the pain of others, as you say, change the settings of the radar if necessary. But that we can do and not feel we're exhausting ourselves because if God tells us we got to do it, we can do it. And I think that if uh, NBC Universal is going to be broadcasting the Olympics, if they have no ratings, if people are saying, no, we will not watch, we will not participate, uh, that that makes a difference. Um, we're not seeing a whole lot of the woke uh, Olympians who uh, stood up on their pedestals and uh, made proclamations in, in in times past saying I'm not going to go forget it I'm just I'm I'm just going to boycott um, that th that's one thing but we're bringing it back to us and I think that's an important part of the God story Rabbi that it's easy to say what they're doing, those people, them over there, they're hip hypocrites, they're, okay, fine, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? What am I? What am I doing? I can make a difference. Just talking about it to my friends, did you watch the Olympics? No, I'm not watching it, and here's why. That has a, an effect, like a wave. It starts, and people start thinking, and then other people say, you know, maybe the plight of someone who's being systematically abused, a genocide, raped, interned, uh, made slaves. Maybe that does matter to me. 
And we stop watching and we stop supporting uh, the NBA or stop buying M&Ms because, you know, they're not that good for you anyway. That those things make a difference, and then companies who have selective outrage say, "Oh, oops, oops," and we can change things. One would hope. And and in doing so, the immediate benefactor is ourselves, because as you say, God wants us to be responsive to the image of man in everybody else. That is what that is what makes us born in the in the image of god the image of god is exercising that free choice having the intelligence to act and understanding our connection with everybody else through the image of god that we all that we all share if we don't if we will not get to the olympics that big olympics in the sky the way we want to unless we use all of our moral muscle power And that means training and working out, and that makes us better people in the end. And that that is that is what we have to do. It's um, moving and powerful when you think that the topic of conversation today between uh, our beloved rabbi, a Jew, and this faith girl Christian, is the plight of Muslims, a, a faith that is very different. And then sometimes there's been clashes of ideas and thought, yet a consistent worldview, a consistent biblical worldview, again, brings it back to the image bearer of God, the importance of people. And that transcends who you voted for, uh, what your faith is, uh, what your vaccination status is. It transcends all of those things and gets to the things that are really, truly important. So some ideas on how we start down this road, Rabbi. Well, again, um, part of, of what you said and, and why it is that the two of us can get together here and, and talk in defense of, of Muslims. And I'll add from a Jewish standpoint, we happen to know that the Uyghurs are not particularly fond of Jews. Uh, they, they've been indoctrinated like, like major parts of the, of the Muslim world to, to hate Jews. And that, that is not deterring us in the, in, the, in the slightest. But part of the reason why the two of us are exactly in sync about this is not just because we have this vague notion of the image of God, it's because that image is guided by something that both of us share and and hold from very deeply, and that is the power of scripture, that we believe, not only believe in a God and believe that we share that image, but the reason why we do believe in that is because we believe that God communicates with man, and the way to find that out is through scripture. So for the umpteenth time, one way is to increase our commitment to being in touch with the God story. This this is not just two religious people speaking. It's two religious people who are probing scripture itself for what God wants of us. Another thing which we cannot, we cannot underestimate is the power of prayer. If you do nothing else, 
but share your, your, when you speak to God, which all of us do, when we have these heartfelt conversations with him, include on your list of things that you're speaking to God about the trouble spots of the earth, especially the places that are not immediately close to home. Sure, put yourself, your family, your community first, but then make room in those prayers for things that, that, are, that are not immediately there because that is God's strategy on earth to teach us love through the people who are closest to us, to our family, to the ones we've chosen to love as our spouses, to our children who we sometimes love despite themselves. But we, when, we, when we learn the power of love or experience it, we then become capable of extending it in new places. And that's what God wants us to do. Exercise for that big Olympics. We do that by stretching our love. And again, when you don't know enough about a problem, say, don't react like the warriors guy did and say, look, it's just not on my radar. I'm involved in a lot of other things. That's the place where you have to make the, you have to take the, a little bit of time to acquaint yourself just so that you feel the pain. Because not to feel the pain when you know pain is there is, is a, a crime against humanity. And I think that's why people were so uh, put off by his statement. Not that there wasn't some truth to, okay, there's a lot of other things I care about, but the um, indifference, the, well, yeah, you know, and that's not the person I want to be. That's not the kind of person I want to be because in that I feel like there's a loss of your soul and, and we've lost a bit of our soul in, in our society. How do we get that back? Well, that's the very things that we've been talking about today. And maybe it's, it can start with, with a general care, a bit of prayer and a lot of connection with that God story that can change us from the inside out and make a difference in the world, even if it's in tiny ways, it may be big ways in God's economy. I have been looking forward to this conversation, Rabbi, because um, I think that it has profound ramifications on us. Caring about the other way over there has profound ramifications on how I care about the people who live next door to me, the people I run into in the supermarkets, the people who I engage with in social media, uh, the people who are outraged about anything that's out there and and ready to take it on and ready to cancel and ready to hate that maybe it starts with me remembering that I can care about the other over there as well as the other over here sounds good let's do it Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein again. Uh, he is the director of interfaith affairs with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. You, of course, can uh, see their website on the screen if you're watching. If you're listening, remember, you can go to mymichellelive.com. You can get some of the links 
to uh, read some of the rabbi's writings, his thoughts. You can get some of the links to the news stories that were shared on screen today. And you can like us and share us because that God story can not only change the world, um, if we want to get it close to home, it can change your life. Uh, So like us, share us, and others who share that God story. It makes a difference in the world we live in. Rabbi, uh, we uh, and, and our listeners and viewers absolutely adore you and uh, praise the time that we often share together. Uh, it's, it's very precious to a lot of people. Thank you for making the time. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to show More news and views at mymichellelive.com.